It's time debit card users are also included in the cashback fun. Now everyone can get cashback on everyday purchases with Discover Cashback Debit. That includes no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Uh, known for that homegrown where I come from, smoke one. Double D's got a topless in the sun. I shall proceed. That's me, motherfucker, your opinion. <laughs> How many ways am I killing them? Shit, right around a billion. Hey, we own it. That means we live it for the moment. That means she'll fuck to the morning. Time and I got time and I know that I'm in the position of controlling anything. I'll buy that ocean. I'm a boss, I'll buy that ocean. Ain't nobody fucking with this. They fucking with this. So, so delicious, can't help my interest, candy addiction Want a piece to a piece, gotta get a piece, I don't know a piece Give me all your sweets, bottom and top, lip, about to have a sugar feast Never would I trip, I'm a lip, biting beast Smile for them things, all 42 teeth Squeeze the sugar cane on your mouth, must be Ain't your mama surf sticky, use a Mac Freak Like Taffy, but classy, get at me I'll gladly let you know I like hips, but the lips, they'll do me fine Nah, baby, don't trip with the juicy kind, don't trip with the juicy kind Welcome to an all new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your Tuesday episode. How the heck are we doing? I have now tried to record this intro. This is my third time. The last time, you guys, I just stared off into space, 
while I was trying to remember what Ariana Grande's name is. Wow, folks, it is going excellent for me today. But how the heck is your day going? I hope it's good. I hope your Tuesday is good. I hope my Tuesday is good. I had a Monday that started strong and then just completely went off the rails and crashed. Have you ever had that where you're you're, you're moving along, you're getting things done, and then you get a little piece of news or information and it completely derails your day? And you're just like, I can't do anything. You know, that's the thing. As we get older, you think you have like tricks in your toolbox to get you through like tough news or information. And then you find out those tools. You're like, who did I lend my tools to? Who didn't give me my tools back? Because it completely derailed me. I was just, I, you ever do that? That can't, I can't be the only person that that happens to, but I just couldn't, uh, it completely derailed me. So I'm finally getting back on track. Um, hopefully you had a way better Monday than I did, but listen, we're here now. Let's have a great time. Uh, I have a great guest for you today as well. You guys, her name is Jennifer Faison. She actually works in television production, uh, as a producer, which I would do a whole episode just about her television production work, which we touch on briefly, but more importantly for this, for the purposes of, uh, this show, I can't wait to talk. Uh, I can't wait for you to hear her because she is the executive producer of a podcast called Betrayal. It is now in its second season, but it was named one of the number one uh, top podcasts of 2022. And now the podcast, which is based on her real true life story, has been turned into a three-part docu-series for ABC News Studios called Betrayal, The Perfect Husband. And the, the kind of little... Subtitle is a woman uncovers the devious double life of her teacher of the year husband after he is uh, he is arrested for doing just wild things. He had this completely double life. And I think you are going to be so interested in not only the podcast, but this three part docuseries, which you can find on Hulu. I binged it this weekend. I talked about it briefly on Monday's episode, but I thought it was just such so interesting and especially coming off of Scandaval and just all of the stories that have uh, come out and continue to come out and probably will continue to come out about men and these insane, like just the, the things that they're doing that uh, are just so harmful and wild. And I uh, just, uh, I mean, it sounds, it's otherworldly. It feels like sometimes, but Jennifer was good enough to come on and talk to us about her story. And I just think she is just so fascinating. The story is so gripping and I think you're going to be blown away. So go check out not just the interview today, which you can skip to right now, because remember we do timestamps because I'm going to do a couple pop culture stories before then, but you can skip to that interview right now. But I was just over the moon that Jennifer uh, came on and talked with us today. But like I said, she has such amazing work in her television career so far. She worked on Jersey Shore, you, you guys. She worked on Judge Judy. She worked on Extreme Home, uh, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, just littered with these amazing TV credits. Uh, and unfortunately, I would have loved to have just picked her brains about all of that. But she has just such a fascinating story that I think is just so helpful to women out there in particular that I wanted to make you guys aware of it. OK, so we'll get to that in a second. Also, moving on. It's Tuesday, July 18th, so I wanted to say a big happy birthday to my mom, Becky Bailey. It is her birthday. I don't think she listens to this podcast anymore. Uh, she actually took away her five-star rating. I'm kidding. She didn't. But actually, if you if you want to, you can leave me a five-star rating um, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify in honor of my mom. It's her birthday today. Uh, we are wildly lucky. Uh, 
for her to be here for her birthday and I will be celebrating with her uh, Tuesday evening. And I'm, I'm very excited about that. So happy birthday, mom. Happy, happy birthday. Uh, you guys, you listeners have rallied around her and my family so much. Um, I I'm so excited to be able to see all of the cards that you've sent her and just, I mean, it just blows me away. It blows her away. I can never express my thing. So I'll say it one more time. Thank you. Uh, moving on to some pop culture stories. Listen, I always make the joke that Camelot has fallen when I see a celebrity couple, uh, split, but today we have double Camelots have fallen because we had two celebrity couples announce divorce. Yeah. Love is dead folks. You, I mean, do are we getting it by now? Love is completely dead, especially if you're a celebrity. If you are a celebrity, you have no shot of your marriage working. And that's why I always think Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, they did it right. They've been together, it seems like, for over 40 years now. They never got married. They seem happy as buttons. They just great. They they're they're doing great, it seems like. Actually, that would wreck me. If I found out Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell break up completely would devastate me. But these are the these are the most recent celebrity divorce breakups. We have Ariana Grande uh, and her husband Dalton Gomez announcing their divorce. TMZ is reporting that they just couldn't make it in a post-COVID world. Listen, who can do anything in a post-COVID world? Who can do anything in a pre-COVID world? Are you kidding me? And I gotta this okay, can we be honest here? This is Ariana Grande, right? talented the voice that comes out of this i mean just the i mean what an insane voice coming out of that little body uh she was spotted at wimbledon this weekend uh you know just surrounded by her co-star from wicked and i was just surrounded by celebrities everywhere looked like she was having a great time uh little did we know at the time that she was splitting from her husband dalton gomez who works in real estate the thing with this dalton gomez though my one big thought about him, even when they got together, is that he looks like a male Ariana Grande. Like, you know what I'm saying? He looks like a child. And I know he probably wakes, wakes, makes way more than I do, way more successful, all that stuff. But look at a picture of him. The man looks like a child. And I'm not saying like Ariana needs to get with a man. I'm not saying anything like that. It was just like the thing you notice where you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like Ariana Grande seems like she has a very unique taste in men. That's fine. That's her taste. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess they're splitting up. He flew to London uh, a couple months ago or last month to try to make this marriage work. And I guess it was like a last ditch attempt that did not work. Um, but I find it interesting, these couples that a lot of people just shacked up during COVID. And it was probably for a lot of them, the time of their lives, because they were in a love bubble while we were forced to be in a pandemic bubble. And then you get out of that bubble and life happens. Life continues on. It moves on. So I'm sure we'll hear more about the ins and outs of that relationship. Uh, that she's rumored to potentially be with her co-star in wicked, which is a, a two part movie that is being filmed right now. They actually had to stop production because of the screen actors guild strike, which we just started, uh, you know, last week, which I'll go into a little bit today. I wanted to give you a little bit more information as I just got an email from the screen actors guild. So that was one, uh, celebrity divorce. So rest in peace. I don't think we gave them a couple name. Was it like Ariana Gomez, Ariamos, Ariomez? I don't even know what a good, do you think she'll get back with Pete Davidson? How's Pete Davidson, by the way? I know he checked into rehab a couple of weeks ago and it was kind of like, it was announced, but it kind of slid under the radar. 
And it wasn't for drugs or alcohol abuse, allegedly. It was for mental health issues, is that he needed kind of a retuning. And that's an expensive retuning, but I hope he's getting all the help that he needs. But do you remember that relationship? I mean, of course you do. I just remember that Pete was on Saturday Night Live at the time. You had those iconic paparazzi photos of them walking out of that the New York apartment building where she's sucking on the lollipop and he has the hoodie over his head. And she just looks like she is like, woo, like something just went down and she was happy with it. You know that you know those photos. And then Pete, like you know, went on like Saturday Night Live. He felt like the king of the world. I remember him going on Stern and like Ariana Grande was in the green room. It wouldn't come in to talk to Howard. I remember that. And uh, then that relationship kind of fell apart. I don't listen. I don't want to brand Ariana a such and such or whatever. Uh, who knows? And also, like, it's the same thing with Taylor Swift. Like the fact that Taylor Swift gets blowback for dating a lot of guys. You know, guys don't even date a lot of girls. Guys just sleep around a lot. So these girls can date whoever that flip they want. I don't care about that. I more care about she's like marrying dudes that look like children. That's wild. Uh, the other relationship, unfortunately, after a seven-year marriage, Joe Manganello and Sofia Vergara from Modern Family uh, are getting a divorce. This was rumored now, I think, for the past week because this is this is wild. It was her birthday a couple of days ago, and Joe Manganello on her Instagram birthday post, he wrote like Feliz Cumpleanos, Sofia, like a really basic birthday wish, but still a birthday wish. And fans underneath it said it wasn't a good enough birthday wish. They said, this isn't a very loving birthday wish. And I just thought, Listen, by the way, the fans were right. There turns out they're getting a divorce. But how interesting is that you put out a birthday wish and then immediately Instagram commenters are like, not good enough, Joe. Come on. She needs more sugar than that, buddy. Let's go. Uh, but they were right. But isn't it funny? Like any, if you're in the public eye at all, you are a fair target to be able to dissect that relationship and like just fully hammer any point that you don't agree with or anything that you think is fishy, you can just write it underneath the post. And in this case, case they were right. So this is a seven-year relationship that they are getting a divorce from. There is not any kind of cheating allegations, not yet. I don't think there will be either. Uh, I'm hearing that they just grew apart. Now, I've told this story, I don't know if on this, but I think I just told the story on She Speaks Bravo's podcast a couple of weeks ago. But uh, I, I, was in, I used to be in acting class with Joe Manganiello. And you want to tell you something that's going to make you feel really insecure is taking a picture with Joe Manganiello. I remember my ex loved Joe Manganiello. This was be this was before he did uh, True Blood. Like I was there when he got the part uh, of the werewolf in True Blood. Remember that when he kind of really? I mean, he was always an amazing actor and was making his living at it. But he uh, he had yet to get that part. He had yet to do Magic Mike. I remember when Joe how he was like eating this particular diet to like bulk up for True Blood once he got that part. Joe is an amazing actor. But my ex loved him from the show One Tree Hill, the CW show that he he was uh, did a couple seasons on or a season. And I remember her going, I, this is my ex going, get a picture of Joe for me. Like, imagine that you're dating somebody who's like, actually, I was married at this point. Get a picture of Joe. I'm like, why do you want a picture? Just get a picture of Joe for me. And I have this picture. I was trying to find it today. And it's like you, I mean, it, it's like Beauty and the Beast. This guy 
just model. And I'm like, it's like Quasimodo. I'm like, and by the way, and then I sent it to her and she was like, I didn't ask for you to be in it. I just asked for a solo shot of Joe. I'm like, I didn't know you wanted just a solo shot of Joe. Like, why don't you just go buy a magazine? Anywho, uh, really great guy. Great actor. Uh, I know he is very strong in his sobriety. He's been sober for a very long, very long time, even when I knew him. Uh, and just a uh, really good guy. In fact, I told this story the first time um, I went over to his mansion, which I know they're selling now. Beautiful mansion. And I was interviewing him for a podcast I used to do for the acting studio I worked at. And this never got released because... At the time, I remember he had just been cast in Ben Affleck's Batman. Ben Affleck was directing a Batman movie that actually has never seen the light of day because it never started filming because Ben Affleck backed out. And he was playing like the villain uh, in the Batman movie. It was like, what was his? It was like Death Knot or Slit. I'm trying to think of the, the character he was playing. But I went over there and I just did an interview about how he got his start. And it was just this amazing multi-hour interview. I'm in his mansion that him and Sophia shared. I'm in his man cave, which is all like dark mahogany. And there's like <clears throat> his gym out there and all of these like trophies. And I mean, just a movie theater, workout room. It was like the coolest house I'd ever seen. And we're doing this interview in this like dark mahogany man cave-ish room, having the best time. And then all of a sudden the door opens and in comes Sophia Vergara from Modern Family. And I had never met Sophia. And I'm like, I, you know, obviously a beautiful woman. She walks in, you guys. I was like, she was more beautiful than she is on TV. Like, I would say about like 10 times. I was like, and she brought in warmly, warm, fresh beignets. She just came in to drop off warm beignets. And Joe, I, I think Joe probably saw me with my like mouth agape and he was kind of laughed. He was like, <laughs> this is Ryan. And I'm like, my God, like Sophia Vergara, just bringing in warm, fresh beignets. And then I had to return to the interview and I was like, my God. And if they can't make it work, two insanely gorgeous people, what hope do any of us have? Uh, so uh, I'm sure we'll find out more information about that. But uh it, it, it really, if they can't make it, where, huh? how are we all going to do it? Uh, anyways, tonight we have the uh, Below Deck Sailing Yacht Part 1 of the Reunion, which was also a Watch What Happens Live pseudo interview. Those Below Deck reunions don't get like a studio with Andy. They all get little Zoom screens and Andy kind of asks questions from the Watch What Happens Live set. Because I also, also think it's very hard to film because all of these guys are still on like yachting seasons in like different countries. But I really enjoyed this season of Sailing Yacht, so I liked seeing this Part 1. And also... We had the premiere of Below Deck Down Under with Captain Jason and Aisha, and I thought the first episode was great. I'm just so – the Below Deck series, I just think is so chef's kiss. It is just – low. I don't want to say low-stakes television because I love it. It almost sounds like that's a negative, but it's something that is just so comforting. I think I said that 
last night. It's like comfort food, the Below Deck series for me. Um, so that was on tonight. Highly recommend that. I watched Real Housewives of New York for a second time this morning. I liked it even better the second time. My full recap will be out later this week. And in fact, I think I'll be on Kate Casey's podcast, Reality Life with Kate Casey. Uh, I did an interview with her for her show today talking about Roni. So that should be out today or tomorrow. I'm not sure when the release is, but go check that out. Kate is always uh, incredible and awesome and supportive. Uh, Very excited to do that. And uh, one last thing I want to talk about before we get to our guest Jennifer today is the Screen Actors Guild strike. Now, the Screen Actors Guild, we just started striking last week. And the Writers Guild have been striking now for a couple of months. And a lot of people have been asking me, what is this all about? And I got this email today uh, from Screen Actors Guild that I wanted to go through with you guys, if if it's okay with you. Um, Here's the email. It says, here's the simple truth. We're up against a system where those in charge of multi-billion dollar media conglomerates are rewarded for exploiting workers. Um, at the end of the day, and if you if you watch Succession, you understand this. But basically, these uh, these conglomerates, they're making money for their shareholders. At the end of the day, they don't care about you. They don't care about me. They don't care about their workers. They care about the almighty dollar and getting a return for their investors and a return for themselves. The heads of these companies are making insane amounts of money. Bob Iger making upwards of $300 million. David Zaslav making close to $487 million over the last five years. That's really, really insane money for just kind of taking away money and rights and all of these things from people that work for them. It it goes down all the way to us, the viewers at home. It affects us as well. So it says the company is represented by the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which we always call the AMPTP, which include Amazon, MGM, Apple, Disney, ABC, Fox, which is all one, uh, NBC Universal, which is Bravo's a part of, Netflix, Paramount, CBS, Sony, Warner Brothers, Discovery, which is now HBO as well, and others are committed to prioritizing shareholders and Wall Street. Detailed below are some of the key issues of the negotiation and where things stand. We moved on some things, but from day one, they wouldn't meaningfully engage on the most critical issues. Um, One of these issues being performers need minimum earnings to simply keep up with inflation. I don't know if you guys have noticed the cost of living keeps going up. And for actors and writers, um, we're not making more to make up for that inflation. So what we wanted is that we needed an 11% general wage increase in year one of this new contract. So the members, us, the Screen Actors Guild, can recover from record inflation during the previous contract term. And what they said is the most that we they will give us is 5% even though that means our 2023 earnings will effectively be a significant pay cut due to inflation, and it is likely that we will still be working for less than our 2020 wages in the year 2026, which is when that contract would start. I know it's a little crazy when I hear and see numbers, my mind goes blank as well, but basically they're just not keeping up with inflation in any kind of significant or meaningful way. And the last couple of contracts, we keep not getting these increases at all. So you might say 11%, that sounds like a lot, but remember, contract ever contract, we have not received any sort of increase. 
Uh, it also says performers need the protection of our images and performances to prevent replacement of human performances by artificial intelligence technology. This is a big one, you guys. AI. It's a hot button issue. You've heard of ChatGPT, but think of that now in the realm of replicating actors, replicating our image, replicating our voice. I told you guys this a while ago, my buddy Sean uh, put some of my podcasts into an AI generator and he sent me a clip that sounded so much like me and sounded like a topic that I would completely talk about that I was so confused because I was like, I don't remember what episode I said that in, but I was very, uh, I was like, well, that's definitely me. And I didn't even question it. And then he told me it was AI. It was a whole segment on Chris Jenner that I was like, wow, that's a really good podcast. <laughs> it was like, and when he told me, I was like, damn, that's almost as good, if not better than what I put out there. I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious, but you know what I'm saying? It was wild. And that was without my approval. And that's really scary because we work really hard on these things. And none of us are millionaires except for like 0.2% of the Screen Actors Guild and 0.1% of Writers Guild. I'm making up those figures entirely. But for every Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise, you have a million actors that are nowhere near that, that are near poverty if they were just to go buy their actors' wages. So what we want is a comprehensive set of, set of provisions to grant informed consent and fair compensation when a digital replica is made of our performance or our performance is changed using artificial intelligence. So it's basically saying you can't just put a Ryan AI out there and tell that Ryan AI what to say and not pay me for that or not have me part of that conversation. And what they came back with is says, we want to be able to scan a background performer's image, pay them for a half of day's labor, and then use an individual's likeness for any purpose forever without their consent. We also want to be able to make changes to principal performer's dialogue and even create new scenes without informed consent. Consent is always key. We've talked about that on this podcast so many times. And we want to be able to use someone's images, likenesses, and performances to train new generative AI systems without consent or compensation. I mean, this one is insane, you guys. This one is insane. They're acting like they don't really know how algorithms and AI work, but they want control of all of it. And secretly, they know how powerful and how dangerous this truly is. And right now, you would say, well, I would never watch an AI movie. The technology is kind of weird. When you put an AI image in there, it'll make you look like you have fish hands sometimes. But when the technology keeps getting better at the rate it is, it's really scary, you guys. It's really scary. There's got to be something unique to what we as humans do, that something that I can share that a computer can't. We have to be able to agree that we want the humanity. We, we all need that. It, everything can't just be computer generated. That's not a world that in which I want to live in. Uh, and at least we want to be a part of the conversation so we can have meaningful dialogue about this. Uh, here's another one. Performers need qualified hair and makeup professionals, as well as equipment to safely and effectively style a variety of hair textures, styles, and skin tones. And so we said, how about consultations with qualified hair and makeup professionals for all performers on set to ensure equity for performers of color and a requirement to have the proper tools and equipment. And they said, begrudgingly, we will do this for principal performers, but background actors are on their own. So basically that's saying, we'll take care of Tom Hanks, but all the background actors, the no names, the people that fill in the scene, good luck. 
Um, then the next one says performers need compensation to reflect the value we bring to the streamers who profit from our labor. Now the streamers are the Netflixes of the world. Uh, they, uh, we said, consider this comprehensive plan for actors to participate in streaming revenue, uh, since the current business model has eroded our residual income. And what that really means, you guys, is I was trying to use the example of being on the office. That was a network show. And when it was on that network, I could depend on a certain amount of money. Now, when that moves to streaming, say when the office goes to Netflix, it completely cuts away my residuals. It is a minimum upon a minimum upon a minimum of money that when network television existed before cable, before streamers, it was such a nice, sizable chunk, and that has completely eroded away for actors. It's taken away the middle class for actors completely. Um, and uh, so what they came back with for that one is no. <laughs> they just said no. No, we're good. Um, the next one says all performers need support from our employers to keep our health and retirement funds sustainable. Uh, we said contribution caps haven't been raised in 40 years. That's what they contribute to these funds for health and retirement. Uh, they imperil our pension and health plans. Would you consider raising those caps to adjust for inflation and ensure that all performers, regardless of age or location, receive equal contributions? And they came back with, here are some nominal increases nowhere near the level of inf inflation that won't adequately fund your health plan. Also, background child performers under 14 years of age living in the New York zone don't deserve pension contributions, which is why we haven't paid them since 1992, which is a real fact. So that's wild. Sorry if you're under 14, you're screwed. Uh, the next one, principal performers need to be able to work during hiatus and not be held captive by employers. So that's basically saying, so on a, if you're on a, a show you shoot maybe six, seven months a year. And then those other five months, you are held by the network or the streamer potentially because you're held for a new season. We're trying to be able to let us know so we can actually work another job to make more money to be able to live um, and not be just kind of completely in a chokehold by that show. They said, uh, Take these select few improvements that will only help a select few. And I can give you more specific examples. This is just an overview. Uh, next one says principal performers need to be reimbursed for relocation expenses when they're employed away from home. Um, we said drop the ruse that series regulars are becoming residents of a new state or country when they go on location and adequately pay them for all of their relocation costs. And they said, well, here's some stipends which don't realistically reflect the costs of relocating to an out-of-state or out-of-country production. Now, I'll let you in on a little secret, folks. When I was really trying to be an actor, and a lot of us actors did this, is that um, – you know, the, the, the productions that went outside of Los Angeles, which a lot started going outside of Los Angeles because it was cheaper to film in these places, say Chicago, Atlanta, New Orleans, Texas. Uh, you know, so what a lot of us actors started to do, we would get agents in those locations. We would put auditions on tape and we said, you can hire us as in-state residents, so I basically, and I'm going to act like this is a completely made up story that I never did. I would have an address in these locations and say, I'll fly myself out there. I just want to work. And I am now a resident of Texas. 
And I would be able to be considered for these parts that would cast out of these locations. And all of us did that. We were chasing work. We needed this, but we would pay our hotel. We would pay our flight there and back. We just wanted a day's work. We wanted to be on television or movies or anything. And a lot of us did this. You know, you, we wanted to be, they're called local hires. We would be a local hire for these shows. So a lot of people will have to relocate if you are put on these shows and they're not providing any kind of money to actually upend your life to go do this. Now, I think a lot of us get confused when we think about the entertainment industry. Like I always say that it's all this glitz and glamour. Think about it when you actually have to move for a job that aren't in the acting profession. It's really hard. It costs a lot of money. The same thing as actors. We are not so unlike each other at all. And I just, that's the, the, the sad silliness of this whole thing is that people have a really uh, disjointed impression because all we see from TMZ and daily mail and all of these things is the glitz and the glamor and the Ariana Grande's and the Kanye's and the Kim's and just like, wow, we must all be like that. And it's just, sadly, it's not the case. Uh, the email, uh, starts concluding with, we marched ahead because they intentionally dragged their feet. So the AMPTP kept saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were dragging their feet the whole time. So SAG, Screen Actors Guild agreed to their compressed bargaining schedule and they subjected us to repeat stonewalling and delay. It took more than four weeks of bargaining for the AMPTP to agree to simple basic issues of fairness and respect, such as access to reproductive health care and gender affirming care for performers working away from home in states that restrict medical access, a consultation process to guard against racist and sexist wiggings and paint downs of stunt performers, wiggings and paint downs. I think that is very explainable. Use your imagination. Uh, safety for performers working with animals on set. Uh, and then it says, is this enough? We need transformative contracts yet remain far apart on the most critical issues that affect the very survival of our profession. Specifically, we need fair compensation that accounts for inflation, revenue, sharing on top of residuals, protection from AI technology, and updates to our pension and health contribution caps, which haven't been changed in decades. This is why we are striking. The AMPTP thinks we will relent, but the will of our membership has never been stronger. We have the resolve and unity needed to defend our rights. And then they give us a bunch of charts breaking down these issues into... Uh, you know, just a lot more information, which listen, guys, I'm not teaching a class. So I will not, I will do you the service uh, of not walking you through everything. So that's kind of a little bit more information. I hope that makes a little bit more sense. Feel free to ask questions. I don't know if this will be up on YouTube, but if it is drop it in the comments and I'll try to answer or just reach out to me. It's so bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com, but let's get on to our guest. Uh, I love you guys. I hope you have the best Tuesday. Love you, mom. I hope you have the best birthday. I'm thinking about you and you've got, we got a great guest. Like I said, her name is Jennifer Faison. Uh, you're going to hear me just kind of give her so much praise here in the intro because I thought this three-part docu-series on Hulu is just so worth your time. So without further ado, here is our guest for today. Bye guys. Today, I am just so over the moon to talk to our next guest. Now, let me give you a little background. I was doing all of my homework, my reality television homework, and I got through all my Bravo shows. I got through everything I needed to. And my friend Susie said, hey, you need to watch this three-part docuseries that just dropped 
on Hulu this past week called Betrayal, The Perfect Husband. And I was I went to Hulu and I said, yeah, this seems right up my alley. And I was immediately riveted to this story, which is just a horrifying, harrowing story um, that I, I was just blown away. And I know you guys will be blown away by as well. Uh, we have talked so much on this show recently uh, about cheating and betrayal, of course, you know, really connected to Vanderpump rules and the scandal story, but it's something that keeps coming up. And it is something that is just shocking to me every time I hear about it. Now, this story revolves around a gentleman named Spencer Heron, who came off as like the perfect guy, the perfect husband, the perfect high school teacher. But what he was hiding was multiple, multiple affairs. He had a completely different life, probably many completely different lives than the one that he was presenting to his wife. Even going so far as to have relationships with high school students, one being as young as, as 16 years old that he eventually went to prison for. Now, our guest today, Jennifer Faison, uh, she's just amazing. And in fact, I would want her on this podcast regardless because what she she's a producer on reality television shows, folks. She's worked on, I mean, she worked to start a career Judge Judy for that. She did Extreme Home Makeover. She did Jersey Shore. I mean, like, it is just a, uh, a cornucopia of things that I completely love. But she is telling her story. It started off as a hit podcast that came out, I believe, last year called Betrayal. Uh, season one was eight episodes. I skipped ahead and listened to episode eight, and I'll tell you why as we get into this. But season two just dropped. All of the episodes are out. It's a different person's story, and I cannot wait to listen to that as well. But now this has been made into, like I said, a three-part docu-series on Hulu where Jennifer shares her story, and it is just... Uh, I think it is a must, it's must watch television in my book. I think it is going to be completely up your alley. So Jennifer Faison, welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. How are you doing? <laughs> it's interesting. It's been almost a week since the docu-series uh, came out and I'm doing, I'm doing well. You know, there have been a few bumps and, and hiccups along the way, but I would have to say a majority of the messages that I have received have spoken to exactly why I did this. And that was so that somebody else who has gone something through something similar doesn't feel so alone. Like they're the only person yeah. it's happened to because that's how you feel when you're, when that happens yeah. to you. And it's interesting because people like Spencer and and men like Spencer, they want uh, you to not tell their stories. They they want to make it so you're silenced because you don't. They don't want you to have kind of camaraderie where people are sharing their stories and their shared experiences, which seems to be there's a lot of shared experiences between women and men who do this. Yes, yes, and I think they they don't want to be found out because they are hiding behind such a mask that if anybody gets past the mask and sees who they really are, then their life is kind of, you know, done for. I mean, it's over when, when my ex-husband was shaking his head on the couch, when I walked in saying it's all over now, I know what he meant. It wasn't yeah, just you like I got caught. 
Yeah, I mean, you guys, like, there was this really gripping part, uh, I think it's in episode two, where she comes back from a a work outing, and he he usually greets her everywhere. He's the kind of guy that would leave notes every day for her on the coffee pot saying, you're amazing, I love you, would write her a letter every single day when they were in their courtship. I mean, just that, I remember the first episode thinking, like, wow, I'm a real shit guy. I don't don't do any of this. I mean, this guy made, made people feel so special, and I was like it seemed like a job within itself which i kept thinking about of like how many jobs did this guy have because he had all of his real jobs and then he has his jobs of keeping up all of these hidden relationships and your marriage uh darkly impressive like it was so psychotic in a way it was you know and that was the what was i think compelled me to go through everything and try to figure out who this person was because it became sinister. It was deviant. It was manipulative and and just horrible horrible behavior that he was displaying. And just I never saw any of it. I I, I think a lot of people probably don't see any of it because they're so good at it. Like I was charmed by him in that first episode. And just to give you a little backstory, you guys, they met at a very small college, and he was just amazing. He did everything right. Like, and there's so much documentation because he wrote her letters all of the time. We see the menu he wrote on a a very beautiful dorm room date of what he was presenting. He was the perfect guy. And then you guys broke up uh, after college and then, you know, you guys went about your lives and then reconnected. And it was this kind of romantic reconnection where I would imagine everybody in your life was like, of course you guys would get back together. You, He was that special guy and you were allegedly that special girl. It was always meant to be, which makes it so much more mind blowing in retrospect. Yes. I mean, I work in this industry, so I hear stories all the time and I'm able to tell other people's stories that, you know, may help somebody else with, you know, whatever it is, weight loss, you know, I've done a ton of different ones. And when I would tell my story to my friends, you know, and the reaction that they would get, I realized like, yeah, this, this was a pretty extreme scenario. This was a serious case. And and he was just that good. I think the thing that you, it's like, I, I was watching this and then listening to you and, and you guys, there's, I, I need you to organize my life. I mean, she went through, you know, he goes to, he goes into, you know, trial, he gets arrested and you start combing through you, you have access. What started off is like lock his social media accounts. And then that leads you to his email, which leads you to his text. And what you discover is nude after nude. You And then you put this time, she puts a timeline together that I, and you know, I think you said that it helped you at the time kind of process things, but I, w- I would have been such a mess. Like, I mean, can you put yourself back in that period of time in that head state? Was it just, I'm an investigative reporter all of a sudden? All of a sudden. Yes. I think that's exactly what it was. It was, I had this tool the the computer and I thought it's got all the answers inside of it. I just have to find it and keep digging. And, and I do like to research things and yeah that's what you're good at (laughs) yeah so I mean it it was like a project and it just it kept me going I I could not stop and I think in a way maybe I mean obviously it didn't take my mind off of everything that was happening but it 
it gave me something to do yeah, with I, my time. Your parents are on this as well, multiple times, and they're, they're very cute. And it reminds me of my family. And I just... And they seem to have not a good sense of humor, but they seem, you know, they were very open about sharing their experience. And your mom even says, like, I thought it was a little weird that she was digging this deeply. She would she would call me like, I just found this. I just found this out. And I can't imagine even from their viewpoints, they must have just been just as shocked as you because he presented as the perfect son-in-law. Yes, absolutely. He betrayed so many people in his life. Anyone that knew him, was a friend of his, was related to him, they were betrayed by this person and hurt. You know, my parents poured love into this person and- you're good. You're good. It's good. (laughs) Things are just falling. Yeah, I think something just blew up in my room. So, you know, I think another reason for the story is to show how far- betrayal can reach. Yeah. I mean, it, that's, I mean, cause this is, you have friends going back to college that are in this. I mean, what, I mean, was it a college friend that married you guys when you, that was wild. I mean, he played band, I believe for like the army and he would go to all of these events and really just the perfect person. And you must've felt like, wow, I just lucked out. I lucked out because you see so many other stories from other women that are just with horrible men. Well, and I had waited a long time to get married. I just never, you know, was pushed into thinking that I have to have that. It was, I wanted to wait until I really felt like it was right. So then all of a sudden, my soulmate, the love of my life pops back up 20 years later. We happen to be in New York at the same time. You know, if that doesn't scream serendipity, I don't know what it is. Well, but now I was, you know, watching that. I was like, was this all part of his master plan? Was he thinking like, oh, this will look perfect. This will get her at this. You know, this is the perfect kind of romance. I mean, the thing that the big question mark in some ways still for me is him, is that we still even when you were having these prison uh, or, you know, jail conversations over the phone that were recorded, especially that last one. It is still, you you can feel such a mask up of, I'm saying exactly enough to get potentially to the next question. He's not really answering anything point blank. And there's a weird um, removal that like, it's like, you're the dude that did this, but it's like the way he talks about it is so matter of fact and unfeeling and like, well, today's a new day. It's very scary. Well, and that's, you know, again, another reason for sharing the story. It's not something you can just sweep under the rug. This wasn't just like an oops, I made a mistake one time. This was, this is what I believe to be such a big issue that it led him to committing crimes against minors. That's pretty serious. Yeah. I mean, and I, I want to say, so this happened with multiple women. Um, you know, um, he had multiple relationships, but where it even took a darker turn was that he was a uh, teacher of the year multiple times at a high school and he got involved with high school students. And you obviously know the power dynamic there. You know, it was like he would kind of butter them up and say they were special and say they were pretty and kind of just put out these feelers like it was some game. And then this one girl was brave enough to actually come and tell her story, which was what led to this arrest. Because if she hadn't have done that, 
he would still be out there potentially. You potentially might still be married to him. I know. I, I think about that all the time. I think about that. I think about the fact that he got such a high bond that we weren't able to get him out of jail when he was arrested because had he come back into our home, he would have been able to hide everything on his computer. I probably wouldn't have gotten into it. Did he want you to put up your house or anything? Was there any, I mean, that's the one, another question I had was how much were you talking to him in those beginning stages before you found out everything? And my thought was, when did he give up on trying to get you back? Well, I, I had, I stayed in touch with him. He was arrested June 1st, 2018. I stayed in touch with him until the middle of January of the next year. Um, because he was convicted then. And the day that he was convicted, I cut off all communication with him. Our divorce was finalized and that was it. The case was over. He was going to prison. I didn't need to have him in my life anymore at that point. I mean, it had already started where we weren't talking quite as much, but in the beginning, I mean, he was writing letter after letter, pages and pages, and they were all handwritten and pencil. And I think whatever it is in his brain that makes him think that it's not that big of a deal, what he did just allowed him to think that he had a shot at fixing this. I mean, I was wondering if it was that, if it was obliviousness or he knows, but he knows he's just so good at this, that it's another potential hill to climb and I can get there. I can get there. I have an inner belief in how bad I can be and how good I am at this. But that's what I kept thinking of. Was like, man, I bet he was really pushing to try to, you know, to try to bend this story, to manipulate the story, or as you call it, you know, in, in reality television, get a good edit, even with all the bad. Well, and, you know, I, I don't know if he just didn't realize how much information I had. So, so you wouldn't tell him, you wouldn't tell him, hey, guess what? Found your, found your photos last night. I couldn't. I, I wasn't, when we talked on the phone, when he was in jail, I couldn't talk about anything bad. The case. Yeah, okay, the yeah. case, the other women, anything, because they were listening to all of our phone conversations and going to use them against him, you know, in the case. So we didn't talk about anything. And yeah. that was really hard and really, really frustrating. You called out to the police officers when he was being arrested at your house. They had broken down the door earlier and served this notice and then came to get him. And you shouted out to the police officers. He's in cuffs. And you said, he's a really good guy. He's a really good guy. Even then, you know, it's that thing we'll talk ourselves into that, you know, it's like we can't believe that this is possibly reality all of a sudden because you were living kind of a perfect existence in terms of a, a couple at that point. Well, yeah. And I think part of me, too you know, was feeling all of the shame and, and shame for him and he's getting arrested. And I wanted to let the cops know that like, he's not your typical criminal. He's a really good guy. You know, yeah, yeah. this has just got to be maybe not a mistake, but it, it, 
I don't know what I was thinking at that point. The human brain can't comprehend. So How could no. you comprehend when you have such love for somebody that they could possibly be doing the worst things possible? Mm -hmm. And it, it just, it's really wild. And then it's interesting to see then your healing process, which involves making yourself aware of every piece of information. And you guys, they moved to this quaint small town that they, that they had already been familiar with. And they even opened up a wine shop and they had had that for two years. And then you find out later he was having people swing by there. He was having women. I mean, women, some women were actually your friends. I mean, yeah. he really got everybody involved. And that's why I was just like, your psyche. I mean, I, obviously you are a very strong person, but how does this not just, I mean, this thing, you know, this doesn't just go away. How, I mean, like, I know this, the, all of this must really help, but how do you deal with this on a daily basis? Do you still have nightmares or ever? Did you ever? Yeah, I've definitely hadn't had a couple. And honestly, I had one about him the other night, which was crazy because I hadn't had one in a long time. And it's, you know, it's just weird. You wake up and you're like, no, 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 I don't want that to happen. Or, you know, it's like, okay, good. Yeah. Was just, that was just a dream. Um, but I think what happened for me in doing all of the investigating and 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 going through everything and all these different relationships he was having with these adult women, it helped me realize that this wasn't me. It would have happened to anyone he had been married to. Yeah. And I think that's, Definitely. you know, a big piece of this when you you know, obviously, there was a hor horrific crime here. And then there's also this betrayal piece and it's just, I don't know. I don't know where I was going. I mean, that. it's, it's, it's no, I mean like it's just stomach turning. I mean, it's, it's stomach turning, turning and your producer, your co-producer of the podcast, uh, is it, uh, Andrea, uh, Gunning? Andrea, is that, is that Andrea, Andrea Gunning, Andrea Gunning, Andrea who's it seems incredible. She said when you first started or trying to do this podcast that she only wanted to do it if you didn't come from a place of anger and maybe even more just a place of curiosity. And I was just like, I wouldn't be able to do that. I would be like, ah, F this, F that. How did you get, how do you get to that place? That was the thing. I'm like, I wouldn't, you, it's so rationale. You're walking us through this story that actually happened to you. And I truly believe, believe you. Like, I don't believe you are coming from a place of anger. I just, don't know how you could do that. Well, it's been five years because honestly, I was angry in the beginning. I mean, I called a few of these women on the phone and bitched them out. You know, I was just like, how dare you? Because I didn't know the scope of my ex's. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to call it him a sociopath, but I can't diagnose yeah, him technically. But, but, you know, yeah, learned, like it's I've a little bit more. Doing this, I've learned that doing this is that you know I can't diagnose somebody narcissistic. Yeah. I, I, you know, I can say this potentially looks like that, but I'm not. I didn't go to school for this. I can just, you know. But it is interesting, and especially with reality television and docu series, we do see these behaviors pop up again and again. And it is interesting that you can actually like, oh, there's a pattern of behavior with a certain type of person. And it all seems to be a very similar game plan in some ways of making somebody feel special, of isolating somebody, of like love bombing, you know, because yeah. he love bombed the heck out of you, even in college. I was just curious, though, like even in his childhood, like what led to this? What led to the creation of Spencer? Because 
it didn't seem like it would root it in insecurity because he, he had so much to be secure about. It, it was um, really fascinating to think about what leads somebody to this. And yeah. we're hearing your story and the victim stories are way more important, but it is interesting how I still don't get the sense of him as a person at all. Right. Yeah. I, I, I can see that because I, you know, there's a mask up, there's something hiding who he really is. And I can't begin to guess why, you know, he turned out this way and, and how long he's been doing it. I'm going to go back though, to the love bombing, you know, yes, he gave me a lot of attention and everything, but that attention never waned. Yeah. You know, in our whole college relationship, it was like that the whole time we were married for seven years. It was like that the whole time. So I guess I didn't see it as love bombing because it it didn't change. It was consistent. It wasn't just like in the beginning and he got me and then it was gone. Yeah. It, it was always this, this. I don't even want to say it, but like a loving person toward me. Yeah. I mean, those are all traits of what we know to be that kind of person. Did he ever get mad at you throughout this process? Did he ever, uh, did the mask ever slip at times and say, well, you, this, this, and this. No, it didn't. Um, I think, so I had asked him when we started this project, if he would let me interview him for it. And he agreed and agreed and agreed. And I think that being in prison, he didn't realize the scope of what podcasts have become <laughs> and how listened to it's like, they are. Uh, he's like, ah, podcasts are nothing. That's fine. Yeah. Make a web series. It's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> She's down in her basement by herself. You know, <laughs> maybe her sister will listen. Um, so I have not spoken to him or, or heard from him since. Yeah, he has been released. Uh, he has 15 years of probation, I believe. And there's a very chilling conversation that they use in the docuseries and the final episode of the podcast, where it is the last time I believe you hadn't spoken to him in a long time. And it was the last conversation you guys had. And it even ended with him just like, thank you for your time, like a politician of some sorts. It was very odd. Isn't that the craziest way to end a phone call? If you're a wine lover like me, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your unique preferences. To start, all you have to do is answer a few quick questions on their website about what flavors that I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red wine white or rosé or a combination. Now, based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored. You guys, I have to tell you, I got a free shipment with them, but I kept my membership going because I liked it so much. I swear to God, I got this great Sangiovese. I got a Malbec. Uh, I did get a rosé as well because I have a combination and I am loving it. Best of all, I get to choose when I want my box delivered and how often I get new assortments of wine. Being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has its perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order, so you can continue to order the ones that you love. So, 
Join the club today with me and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash so good to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash so good. Tryfirstleaf.com slash so good. Elevating my style used to mean breaking the bank, but with Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at prices I can actually afford. Now I can upgrade my style by snagging killer luxury essentials that sync with my vibe and my wallet. You guys know I've got a blue linen blazer. Now I have a black leather jacket, and I have my eye on this Italian suede trucker jacket. I think that's going to be my next purchase. So Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You're going to have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the must-haves, like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, iconic 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow-knit activewear. With all Quince items, everything is priced 50-80% to less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. How do you not love that? So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping and 365-day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS weird Lord of the Flies style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Oh, I, 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 it stuck out to me so much. Thank you for your time. And yeah, I was like, Carrie, okay, the buddy. producer, she named that episode, that last episode of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for your time. And when I first started listening to it, I was like, well, why did she do that? And then I get to the end. I'm like, ah, I got it. <laughs> oh, it, I mean, it was, it stood out to me immediately. But even how it, it's another thing that I noticed patterns uh, that I've seen and on reality television recently, like I keep saying with Vanderpump Rules, mm-hmm. is that even in that conversation, he's saying... Hey, listen, you think I have a problem? There's guys in here that whack off in front of people in front of like that's now that's he says now that's a problem. And I'm like, okay, this, you know, (laughs) these are two completely different situations, but it is interesting because it gives you a peek inside his mind or inside the, um, Cause it's not rehabilitation because I don't believe he's rehabilitating. It's inside campaigning for how he's going to present his case after this. Well, you can't rehabilitate if you don't think you have anything wrong with you. Yeah. You ask him about therapy in that, that conversation. And he's like, no, nope, there's nothing in here like that. And that scares me because if you, since even if you don't believe you have a problem, the state says you have a problem. We have victims coming forward. You've got a problem. Consider yourself lying to yourself. And then if you're not um, actively treating that problem, 
there, I don't have high hopes for what his future holds. And I don't mm -hmm. even care about him for the people that's around him. Right, 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 right. And from what I've studied and learned over the last few years, it is not something that's, you know, there, there's a lot of different things people can be addicted to. And, you know, let's say it was a sex addiction or part of that was what his issue is. Those are not easy to get through those. It's as hard as trying to get over any other type of addiction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it's, uh, you guys, I mean, truly you've got to watch all three episodes and then go download this podcast, subscribe immediately, rate it five stars. I'm, I'm really thrilled to even, uh, listen to the second season, which isn't even your story. It turns out things like this happen to women all the time, which is yes. Oh my goodness. Um, but I got to imagine like after even going through this, even if it was five years ago, coming at this at a podcast and making this a show, you're once again, making yourself so vulnerable is the, was the main driving force of that to, like you said, share your story with others to share those. And also to highlight the victims like the 16 year old, uh, very brave woman that came forward. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I think being a producer, I knew if I was going to do this, that I had to be open and vulnerable and as honest about everything as I could be because the story there's no need there. You don't have to exaggerate any piece of the story. It, it's yeah. that, you know, kind of shocking all around. So I just went into it knowing, okay, this is what I ask people to do for me all the time is to share their story. And now it's, it's my turn. And if A, I can help somebody else out there feel less alone and understood and heard and give them some encouragement that, yes, it does get better. And then if I can also make a safe space for victims to come forward or at least, you know, kind of teach people like that's what we need to provide for these young people that because most don't come forward and report it. So, yeah, I mean, we, we see this all the time of like women then get shouted down. They're told they're crazy. They're, you know, society, you know, we've really got a lot of work to do still, even though we've come so far, but we see it today. We see it with big celebrity cases and things of that nature. It's really scary to come forward. And that's why, you know, the, I keep saying the 16 year old, she's, she's, grown now, but watching her speak at that event with you, I was just blown away being able to be that um, well-spoken about something that will stay with her for the rest of her life. Because it's one thing for, I mean, I don't consider myself an adult, but I know I am one, is that that was her formative years. Like I, I kept thinking like, you know, imagine somebody that you looked up to, because he was that teacher that people looked up to that believed, like if somebody believed in you, and then said you were all the things that you scared you were scared you weren't that kind of thing that's like your heart only feels certain things for the first time once yeah. and it then sets you up for the rest of your life and for her to be able to speak that uh, coherently about it and and really seem to have a good grasp of things was very relieving but i know a lot of people out there don't get to that point that go through these experiences right and i think um you know that speech was so 
beautiful and brave. And I know that there are people out there that saw that, that it's given them encouragement and strength because that's all that was, was just pure strength right now. Hey, now is my favorite part of the show where I get to talk about our sponsor. And this week we are lucky enough to be sponsored again by our friends over at BetterHelp. Now, they want me to talk about a time when I have felt uncertain about where I was going in my life or what the right path was and how I got through it. Now, that's very easy. I'm just going to talk about the time I'm going through right now. You know, I'm dealing with a lot of things in my mind about my mom, and I have been for a while. And as we get closer to whatever is about to happen, I know that I, I know enough that I don't know how I'm going to feel. And, uh, I, uh, it's a really scary time in my life right now. And it's not, it's, it's weird. You think about it all the time, but at the same time, uh, I try not to think about it all the time. If that makes sense. It's very, very odd. Um, well, sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. Um, like I don't know what to do. I, I'm not going to know what to do. Uh, even though I've replayed all of these scenarios in my head, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feel. Even my feelings right now, they're all over the place. Um, so whether you're dealing with decisions around career relationships or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. Um, I mean, listen, I'm just going to cut to the chase. I actually am using better help. Uh, I got, uh, uh, paired with one of their therapists, uh, two and a half weeks ago. I thought this was something that, uh, I mean, a, a lot of my friends have reached out to say, not reached out specifically for this, but to say that this is something that I need to get in place now of somebody to talk to, uh, just so I'm not playing catch up when, when things in my life do happen. Because also that it's important for me to move forward, to keep doing the show and to keep, you know, to try to be a functioning human being because I, I want, I want to be at the end of the day. And I know my mom's going to want me to be, and I need to start taking care of things and taking care of myself and my own mental health. So I actually am using better help right now. Uh, and listen, it's early on. It does feel good to talk to somebody. I mean, there, there's, um, there's something so innately good about that. It's also so scary, right? It's so scary to even make that. Uh, I mean, listen, I talk about this all the time and it was still scary for me to sign up once again and to try to go to the process of finding a therapist. But the cool thing about BetterHelp is that they take a lot of that off of you. They make it so easy. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. That's all it is. Just try it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. That was another thing I couldn't make excuses for. Well, I don't have time right now. I'm all over the map. I don't have time to go to one place. Well, you can just do it on your computer. Uh, just fill out a brief questionnaire. It's very brief to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Okay, hear that last part. You can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So let therapy be your map with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash so bad today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash so bad. Give it a shot. I'm giving it a shot. We'll be therapy buddies. We can do this. Let's push forward. And now back for the remaining portion of our show. All right. Yeah, it really was. And I was so, I, I was just kind of blown. It was another thing that I was blown away by because 
the over, the arch of the story, there is like this kind of titillating factor that kind of hits all those pleasure buttons that we've turned sometimes these stories into pop culture. But then it really does a good service in actually showing that there are real people involved. This is not just your story, but other stories as well. I mean, they show a picture of him uh, at, at school with these kids, and she's the only one not smiling in the photo, the 16-year-old, because he was like touching her inappropriately at the time in the photo. And that just, and he has a smile on his face. There are those kind of really just gives you goosebumps when you see those things. Also, on a lighter level, how much bad luck was it for him that he was a videographer and there is so much video footage to use in this three-part docuseries? Like, we had your wedding from eight billion different angles. Like, I was like, this is so, I mean, did you produce the wedding footage or did he? Because I was like, there is so much footage. No, those were actually um, high school students of his that did our wedding video. And I've gotten so many compliments for it. And I I mean, they just did a phenomenal job. I was like, you guys had angles, like reality shows aren't filmed as good as this. You had angles you were cutting away to, but at the same time, it tells this story at a deeper level than the podcast, which is brilliant, even does. And I think it really puts you in there immediately where you realize just how real this is. I also want to point out, he cheated on you the week of your wedding. Yes, 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 yes. It it never stopped. I mean, I think he was behaving this way even before we re-met in New York. And it just never stopped. He he just couldn't. I you know, I want to believe that he wanted to, or maybe believe that he was going to be able to, but it, he was just too far gone. But I have to, on a lighter note, now that you bring this up, uh, one of my friends who's a producer that I've known for a long time, we were talking the other day after she had watched it and she said, Jennifer, it's like, you've been waiting to produce this your whole life because I had so much archival stuff. Oh, you guys, she's bringing out the poetry book. She's bringing out every letter. There's scrapbook after scrapbook. I was like this. I I do not organize any of my life this way. So part of me was like, damn, this must be nice to like you. You had everything at the disposal to tell this story. And I thought how great for this docuseries. But just interest. I mean, have you ever thought of getting rid of any of that stuff? Yes, I think I will now for sure. For sure. Yeah. I just, I, I wasn't ready to before. Um, I, I just, you know, those are happy times in my life. I, I don't look back at those seven years of marriage or that time in college and, and have negative feelings or thoughts about it. It was, I was really happy. I mean, of course not hundred percent of the time, all the time, but for the most part, they were really good times in my life. And I've always saved everything and I've moved around with boxes full of stuff, um, my whole life. And now I realize though, that, you know, it's served its purpose and, uh, maybe have to have like a little bonfire out there or something. Oh my God. We can film that for like an addendum episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we'll get Lala and Ariana out there and they can burn well, their stuff. Speaking of Ariana, she's in a new relationship. And I know this is kind of a personal question, so feel free to not answer. But in terms of other women out there after they go through something this intense, um, are you able 
to date again? Are you able to trust some? I mean, I just can't imagine you facing another man of any sort and he tell you a story and you're like, sure, buddy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, I mean, how would you possibly, are you, is it, Oh, you're going to the gas station. Yeah. Okay. yeah exactly. <laughs> is it ruined for the rest of your life? I mean, like, do you even think about things like that? I'm sure your friends do for you. Yeah. You know, I actually, I have dated, um, a little bit since all of this happened and it was great. And I was reminded that relationships can be enjoyable and fun and not everybody is like this. And honestly, I have to believe that I'm not going to run into another Spence again. I mean, what are the Jennifer, odds? Je- Jennifer, let's be cautious, please. Let's just. I'm not be even cautious. living in LA I, anymore. I feel like there. It's not just LA. I think that's like I I mean, we've got to be. We've got to be cautiously optimistic at this. Yes. I mean, that was what I kept thinking. I was just like, wow, that's just so much. Uh, so much going into this, I mean, but it's for anybody. Once you get to a certain age and all that, we all have these kind of baggage. It's just your baggage is so intense in what this person did to so many people. Um, Also, as we start winding down here, uh, and thank you so much for being here, um, you have on the show and your podcast exes of, not exes, but people that he hooked up with, people that that actually came on to share their stories, which what is the conversation like to even get them to to come on and talk about their experience when they could kind of open up themselves to be perceived as doing something wrong as well as Spencer? I think for several of the women that I spoke with on the podcast and a couple of the ones that came forward on the docu-series, I believe they had been carrying around a lot of shame surrounding what they had done and the choices that they had made as adult women, especially when everything came out about his crimes. And, you know, I think they're very embarrassed that they were involved with this person or that they fell for his manipulation and lies. So in speaking with them, and I was at a different place at that time, I found empathy for them. And so I could have those conversations and let them know, you know, listen, don't let this person define your whole life. You know, okay, maybe you made a mistake. You can deal with that on your own, but I'm here to say that don't waste any more time feeling ashamed of your involvement with this person. It's you, you have to move on. I'm just like, I mean, it's very, it's just, uh, it really is just incredible. And it seems like you've been like that your whole life from this docu-series, what it presents you as, and even your family. It seems like you have a strong family. It seems like all of these things that must have really helped. Um, how did reality television and the things that you do in your job, um, has that affected uh, the way you look at the world at all? I mean, even when you thought Spencer was the perfect husband, you deal with reality television and seen some or been around really intense behavior, which reality television really highlights. Did that, has that ever shaped your worldview in any sense? Well, sure. You know, I think as a producer, you kind of live by your instincts. You know, if you're really invested in the story and you're listening you know, you you have to just kind of follow what your instincts are. And I started questioning mine quite a bit after this, yeah. you know, constantly saying, what did I miss? What did I miss? Trying to rack my brain for some little nugget of something that I could say, oh, okay, that's, that's, I should have paid more attention to that. Um, I think though, 
it's going to help me in my career even more now being on the other side of it. Oh, yeah. You know, I have definitely more understanding for what people are, are doing when they're when they're really sharing and opening up their own lives. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, and being able to, I always talk about this, being able to take myself out of my own, uh, my own person and my own feelings, and then hear somebody else's through even doing these things has opened me up so many, you know, just so much different, different line of thinking and has made me kind of a better overall person in some ways. Um, uh, one, one, uh, was there one moment doing the podcast or doing this docu-series that was the hardest moment for you? They were like, that was the hardest day of doing any of this. I think it was really hard. I had a conversation. Um, Andrea and I and the docuseries are recording another podcast episode, a bonus episode where I speak with another woman that was with Spencer and she had known him for 20 years, for a long time. And those conversations, they are hard, even though I want to have them and she was gracious enough to speak with me. I still learn something new every time. And so I don't know if you saw that part. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, that was hard to discover that. Yeah. And in those moments, you know, because the human psyche is going to react how the humans, you you know, we can't always be these kind of like perfect, like separated, you know, like, and you're doing this job and this is going to go out to the world, but you're still this person that lived this story. So it's very, and I'm so glad you had uh, your producer with you to have another set of eyes and ears to this process to maybe sometimes see what you might not see, which was just perfect. And I can't wait to see what you guys do in the future. Um, uh, so w- Two last thoughts with this is that uh, part of me, I, I can't diagnose anybody, but you know, there seems to be potentially narcissistic tendencies with Spencer. There's part of me that wonders, I wonder if he'll get off on any of this. I wonder if, you know, we sometimes see the the bad boy gets attention. People can't really decipher what's good or bad attention. And I wonder if there'll be a part of him that'd be like, I'm a star. You are not the first person that has brought that up. Damn it. Um, can, we, can we pretend I'm the first <laughs> yes, person? Yeah. You are the first person yes. that has brought that up. <laughs> you know, it could be true. It yeah. could be true. Mm. I, I just, I don't know. And I don't, I don't care anymore. Yeah. You yeah. know, that last conversation I had with him, I just thought, I am not going to get any answers from this person. No, that's, I even thought about that. I keep bringing up that Scandal thing, but like Tom and Raquel are going to tell their story. We're not going to really get the actual story. So why do we even care at this point? Let's move on and find out new exciting stories that we can focus on because we're always going to get what they think that they should be saying instead of their actual base desires. It's, we never, it's just wild. Would you ever option this for a movie or are we done with this story in terms of telling this on this level? I think this would make a fabulous movie. 
it completely would. I just, I, I, I mean, that's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, oh, I see this shot. I, we can use some of his drone equipment. Like we can see, I was so, like, this is flashbacks, you know, flash sideways. Got, you've got small town. You've got, you could do a new kids on the block, uh, sad, hanging, tough cover. So, I mean, you could do the whole thing. There's a new I kids on the block that- scene, you guys. There's a new kids on the block scene at their college at the beginning where he I memorized the the dance moves. And I was a kid, I think it was, I think it was like 1989, but I remember being a kid you know, like trying to learn those dance moves. And he was doing it at college with his buddies wearing a Batman shirt uh, very 1989 <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> I, I really could see this as a movie. Before I let you go, thank you so much for your time. You have worked in reality television and um, all of the shows that we love. Uh, I just want to ask about a couple of shows and give me a first thought. Your experience on Jersey Shore in 2010. Oh, so much fun. It was uh second season of Jersey Shore. We were in so Miami. So they had exploded. They had exploded they in popularity. Exploded. And we were in Miami. And I had worked on shows before like Victoria Beckham where we would have crowds of paparazzi following us wherever. But these kids literally were walking everywhere. So every day we were just surrounded and hounded by paparazzi while we were trying to film and act like, you know, they were just normal kids going to the the beach. They were the Jersey Beatles all of a sudden. It was, <laughs> they were. I mean, that, that time, they really, I mean, I have Christmas or, ornaments with like Snooky on them. They mm-hmm. like, their faces were on everything. And so they're that still was, going. Oh my God. Which I love actually. Yes. I love that they realize they're stronger together and yeah. I, I'm totally down for that. So that was an amazing experience for you. Judge Judy, what was she like? She's like she is on TV, (laughs) you know, she's very direct. She knows what she wants to say. She doesn't put up with bullshit, but she's also, you know, generous and um, brought us all out to her house after the Emmys one year. And so that, that was a good experience. Yeah. There's like footage of her uh, and her mom at the Emmys. You guys, it was really cool. Um, uh, You actually had a Bravo experience. You were a producer on Timber Creek Lodge. Is that right? (gasps) My favorite show ever. I mean, yes. a one a one season wonder that doesn't really get brought up in <sighs> in in conversations about. I wish you know, like it is interesting. What was your experience on that? It was so much fun. It was actually the second season of Opry Ski, but oh, we changed see. the name, and so it's kind of like that Vanderpump Rules where it's you know upstairs downstairs. We followed the staff of this beautiful ski lodge in Whist- in Whistler, yeah. and. I, those are my favorite type of shows, you know, when you're following this group of people that are working and intertwining, but then you've also got the guests that come in that add stuff to it. But then we would go and take helicopters and land on top of a glacier. And it was just, those are the shows that I really, really love when you can just sit and watch really the raw reality play out in front of you. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think I'm still, and I, audiences are still fascinated with Below Deck, just that thing of seeing these like beautiful views, but then also seeing what goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It's just ripe, and and I, I love it. Extreme Home Makeover, well, uh, that was a big part of your your career. What was, yeah. uh, what was that like? Oh, man, traveling the country, two years on the road. This group of people that make this show or made this show, everybody became a family. And it will never die. It will just, we will always have a connection. Anybody who's worked on that show, because you are really in the trenches and 
you know, there's a lot of sadness to some of these stories. And then at the end, there's this huge, you know, giving back. So yeah, move that truck. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a crier. So I just, you know, I'd be on set crying the entire time. Um, I mean, you could literally, I, I hope you'll come back sometime just to talk reality and your career because it truly is such a fascinating, we all love it so much, but mm-hmm. I really want to make sure people watch this. It's a three-part docu-series. I'm going to put all the information in the show notes. It's on Hulu right now. You can binge all three episodes. It's a little dark. You might, I split one, I did one and a half on uh Saturday night and finished it up on Sunday morning, but I think it is well worth your time. Also go check out the podcast. Season two is an all new story uh, from an all new uh, woman that I think is worth your time as well. Is there anything else coming up that we need to be aware of or that we can support you with? Uh, Betrayal season three just got picked up as a podcast. So congratulations. That's truly, and it's really amazing to see what we can like turn out of these horrible life experiences. If we don't get sucked under, uh, the gale force of, of these betrayals. That's right. You know, it's, it's using your creativity, your art, whatever that is. If it's writing a book, writing a song, producing a TV show, you know, there's so many ways that we can express ourselves and share these stories and help others. Well, uh, thank you for sharing your story with us here today. Um, Really, truly just a a pleasure to talk to you. And that was the coolest thing. Thank you for even responding because I was watching this thing, you guys. And I was like, why not? I'll just shoot her a DM. And and you guys know me, the audience. I don't usually, I don't, I'm not brave like that. But I was like, I really want to, I really want to talk to her. And you, you DM pretty much immediately. And then I got scared because she was listening to the Tom Sandoval interview. And I was like, (laughs) no, 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 no. I was like, don't, you know what? Don't, you don't have to listen. Let's just, just trust that it's going to, it's going to be fine. No, you don't need to listen. No, it's going to be fine. (laughs) 45 minutes to preface the fact that during that interview, you were like kind of in awe of him. Yes. You were like apologizing leading up to that interview. Oh, completely. Because I was enamored with this guy, but it reminded me of like, this guy had such a mask on, even to people like me, where I looked up to this dude. I thought, I thought, I thought the, the, I just thought he was amazing. And I had no clue all of this stuff was going on. It really did shock me. And it really, uh, it just made me think like, you know, this story not was similar, but just in terms of masks and the, the lies that we tell really, uh, just blew me away. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you guys go listen, go watch. And Jennifer, I hope somewhere down the line, you'll come back on again. So we can talk. Absolutely. I'll talk. We'll I'll get a Bravo show and we'll, I'll come on and give you the inside. Please let's do it. Opera ski (laughs) is coming back. Betches.